0: I'm glad to see you all today, and if you're watching or listening online, my name is Stephen. I'm the lead pastor at Madison Church, and in 2011, which hard to believe was 11 years ago, I led a team of peers to Central Jamaica to serve in a children's home there, and throughout the week, kind of some of the things that we did was we were just helping uh, clean up their property, run a VBS-like program for the kids who live there. We worked in their free medical clinic. I just want to assure you, I did not do anything of importance besides like unpacking bandages and checking people. in. you don't want me doing any sort of medical work on you at all. Um, I just want you to rest assured that did not happen. But uh, as the leader of this trip, I thought there are a couple of things that were really important. One, we're we're here to serve, so we're going to serve. We're going to show the love of God. Um, we're gonna we're going to do this. But the other thing was, I wanted to focus on the team's spirituality. Because when you go on a service trip, you leave the country, you're, you're immersed in an entirely different culture. And so it's completely, it's, it's not just completely possible, it's probable that you can experience God in different ways because you're so out of your norm. You're so out of your norm that you can experience God out of the normal ways that you're used to experiencing him. So what happened was at the end of every night, after we were done serving, working in the medical facilities, all of that, um, we would come back, we'd have dinner, we would um, play games or do something, but we would have a moment, usually it was around eight o'clock at night, where we would pray for each other, we would share what God was doing uh, in and around us throughout the day, where we were seeing God work, and we would pray for each other. We just, we, we always believed in the power of prayer. And so there was one night, though, that sticks out to me. We were praying for this guy. His, uh, his name is Jeremy. And his, specifically, his prayer request was one that I think that a lot of us can relate to, which is that he just wanted to have a breakthrough with God. You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm, I'm sure at some point in your walk with, with God, or your faith journey, you've felt stuck. You felt like your relationship was stagnant. And I'm not talking about days or weeks, I mean, maybe months, perhaps years, where you've just felt like you're in neutral, what is going on, and Jeremy kind of expressed those things, and he wanted a breakthrough, and so we absolutely believed that there would be a breakthrough, like we believed it, we were going to pray for it, and so we started praying for Jeremy, and we kept praying, we prayed some more, and After praying for a while, um, probably the better part of an hour, so there's a group of us just praying for Jeremy for almost the better part of an hour, Um, we all started to feel a little stuck like Jeremy, too. We're like, man, we want this breakthrough for Jeremy, too. Why isn't it happening? Now, part of this story is that while we're praying for Jeremy, I felt early on that God had put something on my heart or in my mind to tell Jeremy. And I didn't want to. I'll just be honest with you. I didn't want, I doubt it. I was like, this isn't from God. God doesn't, I don't know if God does this. And if he does do it, he doesn't do it through me. And so I just kind of sat on that. But um, I was also fearful. I don't know, maybe some of you feel like this too. Sometimes you you think you hear from God, but you're kind of maybe fearful that like, if it's not from God, I'm doing something like really wrong. If, if I'm telling you something and, and almost speaking on behalf of God, if it isn't from God, like, that's pretty bad. And so I was doubtful that it was God, but I was also fearful. What if I'm wrong? Um, but eventually the pressure of just praying for, for an hour or so, more or less, with this guy, he's frustrated. I could tell that the team's starting to get, like, we're praying. Do we just, do we quit? Like, it, you know, do we quit praying for him? And and isn't that going to make things worse for Jeremy? Like, <laughs> hey, will you guys pray for me? And we had seen God do some amazing things already through prayer in this at night. And so um, the pressure of that, with with the frustration and then this pressure also building. Whereas when I started off being doubtful or fearful, I'm like, I don't know if this is from God. By the end of this, it was like this pressure from God. No, this is from me, and you're not listening to me by not saying this. And that pressure overtook the pressure of my doubt and fear. And so I said something. I mean, almost verbatim this, uh, I, as I walked up to him and and everyone kind of moved. And I put my hand on his shoulder. I said. Uh, Jeremy, I, I think that uh, I think God is God is telling me something. I'm like very weary and uh, I'm not sure, but um, God wants God wants you to have a breakthrough like God for sure, He wants you to have a breakthrough. but there's something in your life and I, I don't know what that is, but there's something in your life that God has told me that's keeping you from having the breakthrough. There's something that the word was, there's something you haven't surrendered to God. And, and he wants you to surrender that. And as soon as you surrender that, you're going to have your breakthrough. And I didn't know what I was talking about. But Jeremy did. And Jeremy fell on his knees and just started crying hysterically, opened up his arms. And all of a sudden, it was just like you could see God in the room. I still, to this day, don't know what it was. I don't know what Jeremy was maybe like hiding, tucked away in his heart. But as soon as I said it, he did. He knew, and he knew he wanted the breakthrough. And then here was God speaking through me, reluctantly through me, that, hey, this is how you're going to have the breakthrough. And then we saw it right then and there in the room. We saw that um, Jeremy had that breakthrough. Jeremy, at the time, I believe, was studying to be an engineer, and now he is a pastor. And so it's kind of, I don't know if those events are related, um, but it's kind of cool to see how God worked in and around him so tangibly. And I'm wondering if you've ever had a moment like that. Like if you're not, maybe you're a new Christian, uh, maybe you're not, but have you ever had a moment like that where you felt like you were supposed to share something and that it turned out to be just the right thing that someone needed to hear? I just feel like I got to say this and you said it and they're like, wow, that was just the right thing. Or if you were on the receiving end of that, has there been a time in your life where somebody said something to you and it was just what you needed to hear, just at the time that you needed to hear about? And here's what I want you to wrestle with today. What if that's supposed to be more normal? What if that's supposed to happen more often? But because we've put God in a box, it doesn't. So we're in this third week of our study, Naturally Supernatural, and during this series, We want to talk about the ways and open ourselves up to the different ways that God can supernaturally work, not just in our lives, right? Not just in our lives, but through our lives. I believe that there's a dimension of your relationship with God that you're missing out on and that we're the culprit. I'm missing out on it. You're missing out on it. You're watching and listening online. You're missing out on it. We're missing out on it because we have put God in a box, Well, what kind of box have we put God in? we put God in a box of whatever we have deemed plausible. And that's going to be different for everyone in the room, depending on your church background. If there is a church background or there's not, depending on what you think about Jesus, what you think about the Holy Spirit, what you think about God, can God answer prayers? Or can God only answer certain kinds of prayers? And it's kind of those things that we begin to wall up God. And I love logic and reason, and I love doing the series that we've done in the past where it's like making sense of God and who needs God, how not to read the Bible. But sometimes the cost of doing series like that, on the one hand, the pro is like there are reasonable and logical ways that we can interact and understand God. But sometimes it comes at the cost of boxing God in. And so we can walk away from a series like that and think that we've got God all figured out. And actually what we have done in turn is we've put God, our relationship with God, God in a box. And so throughout this series, I just want to challenge you whatever you think God can do or can't do, I want to challenge you to let God out of the box. God is God and can do all things. And by keeping God in a box, really, we're just stealing from ourselves. We want to have breakthrough. And perhaps we're the reason we're not having breakthrough because we've put a lid on top of the box. God wants you to have the breakthrough, but we're saying God can't do that. And God says, I want to do that. And so for many of us, the challenge in this series will be to let God expand um, what you believe he can do and to open yourself up to that. Not just the possibility that you can experience the supernatural activity of God, but to recognize you're meant to. You're meant to experience the supernatural in your lives. And today we're gonna talk about Prophetic words, because this is one of the supernatural activities in your life that you are supposed to experience. So, why don't we begin by saying that prophetic speech is probably one of the most misunderstood, one of the most misunderstood supernatural activities? Likely some of you right now in the room are nervous, you're watching, listening online, you you might be getting ready to log off. Hang with me here for just a moment. Um, we get nervous because we've seen prophetic speech so misguided, so misused, and perhaps you've been abused or neglected in a situation like that. When you think of prophecy, maybe you think of the angry street preacher calling out sin and turn or burn. If you don't quit doing this, if you don't start believing right now, you're going to go to hell. Or you picture somebody going around and calls out um, every kind of sin in people's lives. Kind of like Jim Carrey from Liar, Liar. You might think that prophecy is knowing everything about everyone and then airing it out for everyone to see. Or maybe you think that prophecy is someone who spent their time trying to predict the future, kind of like a spiritually sanitized version of a fortune teller. And those are all wrong. Those are all wrong. I want you to hear that. That is the misunderstanding that we have when it comes to prophecy. So perhaps the place that we should start is by clearly defining what we mean by the biblical, the biblical practice of prophecy. Alex and Hannah Absalom, their authors and teachers. They define prophecy this way. They say prophecy is loving the supernatural ability to know and appropriately speak the mind of God on a specific subject at a specific time by the prompting and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy, I love that first line, prophecy is the loving supernatural ability. It's the loving supernatural activity. It's not meant to bring shame or discouragement or to put anyone in their place. I feel like I should just say that again. Prophecy is not meant to shame people. Prophecy is not meant to discourage people. And it's not meant to bop them or put them in their place. Prophecy is not about getting some stuff off of your chest or to manipulate other people. You don't go up to somebody and say, well, God told me you should stop doing this or you should start doing this because that's what you want or that's what you believe. The heart behind prophetic speech is love. And might I throw out that if you have to say something and then follow it up with, I'm saying this out of love, you most certainly are not. You do not need to clarify you are saying something out of love if you do love someone. Prophetic speech is about sharing God's thoughts. It's about sharing God's heart. And it's prompted, not by ourselves, but it's prompted by the Holy Spirit. It's that nudge that some of you have felt inside of you. Perhaps you felt that nudge this morning as we were singing the music and praying. The reality is is that God has always spoken through prophetic words. Throughout the entire Old Testament, God used specific people to speak prophetic words to the people of God. But prophecy expands in the New Testament, whereas in the Old Testament, we see God coming to particular people to speak to a lot of people. We see that God has now opened it up to speak to and through all of us. If we look back at the moment that the church was born, Peter says something profound about prophecy. This is actually the very first sermon, the first talk, the first message in the church. And Peter gets the honor. And if you want to follow along with me, we're going to look at that. And it's in Acts 2. And I'm going to begin in verse 14 because I consider this to be maybe the greatest introduction to any message given in church. Peter beginning in verse 14, step forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. How awesome is that opening? People are coming in, they're looking around at all these followers of Jesus. They're speaking in tongues and speaking in other languages and prophesying. And so everyone's looking around like, I think they're drunk. And Peter begins his sermon by saying, they're not drunk, guys. Now, why aren't they drunk? He says, nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Nice job, Pete. Way to solve that. (laughs) Come back at five. Maybe it's a different story, but right now it's only 9 a.m. and we are not drunk. He says, no. What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Peter here is quoting the prophet Joel from the Old Testament. Joel had said these things thousands of years before Peter is is using them in his first message. And he says, yes, at one point in time, God had spoke through specific people in specific circumstances, but there will come a time, and the time had come in Acts 2, in which God will pour out his Spirit on all of you, and all of you should, men and women, low and high, no matter what you do, you should all expect to not just hear from God what the prophesy." We are all to prophesy. And the point I'm trying to make is the point I think that Peter was trying to make, that prophetic words are supposed to be happening. I struggled thinking of an introduction story this morning. I was like, hmm, when was the time that somebody had spoke something from God to me? And I was like, nothing's coming to mind. All right, when did I do it? It's like, nothing's coming to mind. And I had to think about this. and, And it shouldn't have been that rare. It shouldn't have been that rare. Because when we read in Acts, we read that this is supposed to happen regularly. It should be a regular dimension of our spiritual community. It should be happening on Sunday mornings in this place. It should be happening in our small groups. When we go out to eat on Friday night or grab coffee on Saturday morning, when we're together, we should be regularly expecting prophetic words to be occurring. We should all expect a naturally supernatural life. And and these prophetic words are plausible. They're absolutely plausible. And again, Paul's going to kind of layer this on in 1 Corinthians. When he's talking to a church, he says, follow the way of love, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, especially, especially prophecy for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening. Encouraging and comfort. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strength, encouragement, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. That's 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5. And Paul is talking about two spiritual gifts. He's talking about one. Speaking in tongues, which is the ability to, to speak in unknown languages, earthly and heavenly languages that you don't know and then he talks about prophecy and apparently those in that church in Corinth, those with the gift of tongues had a little bit of an issue with pride, feeling that they were more spiritually spiritual than the rest they're like we could speak in tongues and Paul is saying, simmer down that's great and I wish you all spoke in tongues. he says that right I wish you all spoke in tongues. simmer down though, because I want you to be especially fond of prophesying, especially fond of prophesying. He follows this passage after the passage on love. What is love? Love is this and love is that. So he's laid this foundation of love and then he goes in to prophecy. It's just another reminder. One, prophecy is something we should want, expect, and seek out. But two, it has to be positively grounded in love if it is biblical. And if you prophesy or if somebody claims to have a prophetic word for you or a God said moment for you and it comes and it's frustrating to you, it makes you angry, or perhaps they're frustrated, they make you angry, then perhaps it's not really a prophetic word after all and it's manipulation or it's abuse disguised as the prophetic. Remember, prophetic words are grounded in love that is initiated by God. Remember that prompting comes by and from the Holy Spirit. Paul gives us a filter to discern that if a word comes from God, it should be strengthening. Paul says it should be encouraging. Paul says it should bring comfort. That's your litmus test. That's your filter. Is this coming from God? One of the questions that you can ask is, am I encouraged? No, I'm rather discouraged. Maybe it's not from God. Is it Bring you comfort? No, I'm actually quite uncomfortable. Perhaps it's not from God. Did you feel strengthened by this or attacked? Perhaps it's not from God. So, as I mentioned at the beginning, many of us, we do have the wrong image of prophecy because when you think of prophecy, I would bet that most of you in the room watching or listening online, when you thought of prophecy, when we began, it was not something grounded in love that strengthens you, encourages you, and brings you comfort. If it did, great. You have a good understanding of prophecy. But I want the rest of you who didn't begin that way to understand that prophecy is done in love and strengthens, encourages, and comforts us. So when you think of somebody who's on a street corner standing on a soapbox, yelling, calling people out for their sins and their faults and the wrongdoings, that is not prophecy. That is not prophecy. That's somebody being manipulative and abusive. It's propaganda. And we can call that out. It doesn't matter if they call themselves a prophet of this or a prophetess of that. If it's not grounded in love and prompted by the spirit that brings encouragement, comfort, and and strength, it is not from God. It might be prophecy according to them, but it is not prophecy according to the Bible. It is not prophecy according to God or Paul or Peter. Prophecy should feel like this. Imagine last week, we had a couple 90-degree days, right? It was pretty hot. I don't know if you all have air conditioning. We don't have air conditioning in our house, so there's this strategy of opening the windows up at night, trying to create some wind, cool the house down the next morning, shut the windows, shut the blinds, like don't do anything. We're trying to keep it around 80 today. But it gets hot, and perhaps you're hot, you're outside working, or you're outside having fun. You go to the zoo or something with the kids, and, and it's hot. And I want you to imagine being tired, sweaty, hot. Does anyone get irritable in this situation? And somebody brings you a cold brew from your favorite coffee shop, or maybe just a water, a Coke, a cold beer, and how that feels that exact thing, then the moment that you exactly needed it. It's hot, I'm irritable, got the kids screaming, got my my partner screaming at me, my boss screaming at me, whatever it is, you're just overwhelmed, and somebody comes up to you and offers you a cold beverage, and you're like, oh my gosh, this meets my needs, this is great, this is exactly what I needed. Prophecy should feel like that to your soul. When your soul, when you're depressed, anxious, lost, fearful, whatever it is, when a prophecy comes to you, it should be like somebody handing you an ice-cold refreshment. Your soul should feel refreshed. It should be just like that. And a warning for you guys. Before you speak a word of prophecy, you feel that feeling and maybe you're doubtful, fearful, maybe you're enthusiastic, you should always ask, is what I'm feeling that I need to say strengthening, encouraging, or comforting? Is this coming out of a place of love? Does that person know that I love them? Is that already established? Is this prompted by the Holy Spirit? And so, I want to give you some practical advice for practicing the prophetic. So, if you want to practice the prophetic this week, and I hope that you do, I hope that you will, I want you to first ask for the words. Ask God to give you the prophetic words. Let's operate as believers in faith that God actually does want done what he has told us he wants done in the New Testament. And that is to give you and I encouraging words from him to our kids to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to the people around us. Paul encourages the church in Corinth to eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. Let's also eagerly seek out the gift of prophecy by asking God for it. Second, listen. (laughs) Listen silently. You can ask for it, but now this is the important part. Listen to get the message right. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and This takes practice. I don't know if you ever get to the point in your life where you can hear from God perfectly each and every time. And so as we ask God for the words, then we sit and we listen. God, what is it? And you can write down the words, the images, the phrases that come to mind. And even if they don't make sense to you, sometimes that's a good sign. Filter it in love. Remember that the motivation behind any prophetic word is love. Then you can share it in faith. This one's probably the hardest step. You asked God to speak to you to your dismay. He did. You heard from him. Okay, no, not to your dismay. You're pumped because you want to hear from God. God spoke to you. You heard it. Um, you filtered it. You're like, it's done in love. Now the hard part is sharing that. We got to step out in faith to do this. We got to overcome the fear of maybe looking foolish, sharing the words that God has given to us. And you can do that by sending a text, making a phone call, meeting someone in person. And finally, just release it in humility one of the ways that we can release the word in humility is by being careful of how we frame it. And we frame it with humility. We say something like, I don't know if this resonates with you, so please pray about it. Or this might be something that God has spoken to me to tell you. Notice, I did not say, God told me to tell you. God said to me to tell you. That's not humble. That's not done in humility. You can have confidence and still be humble. And so, when you're presenting whatever it is that you feel like God wants to, you to tell someone, present it humbly, with humility. And once you do those things, this I think this is how we can practice the prophetic and, and begin to hear from God and begin to speak to other people, life, and be that bright light all around us. And you know, you might have somebody say, "Well, that was pretty random," like they. That's random. Okay, that's fine. Maybe it's not today that they needed to hear it. Maybe in a month or in six months, God had spoken something to you that God foresaw. And in that moment, they look back and they say, Wow, I needed that. You were just super early. And that's great. And uh, so what, I want to practice this today. And so we're going to play um, just about a minute of a song here. And what I want you to do. Um, for the next minute or two. It's going to be stretching, but I want you to invite God to speak to you. I want you to invite God to prompt something by the Holy Spirit in you. So you're just going to close your eyes and ask God to bring someone to mind. And once you have someone in your mind, listen. God, what is it that you want me to say? Pay close attention to the words, images, biblical passages, that come to mind. So let's do that now. Let's take a moment to ask God for that word. If God did bring someone to your mind and gave you a word, I want to challenge you to share that word with that person today. If you have to, you can take your phone out right now and text them. Um, But do so before you leave today. If God put something on your heart. And remember to do it in humility with a foundation of love. Something that Strengthens, encourages, and comforts people. The idea of sharing words of prophecy with one another is more than just making us feel good. It is a part of life, and it is a part of the life of the church. And it's what we need in order for us to live on mission better in a city like Madison. We know that God speaks to us through each other. And imagine what we might experience at Madison Church if we became more attentive to the ways that God is trying to speak. To us, through his words, to each other. And so, as we close, let's pray the prayer that we've been praying throughout this entire series God, expand my vision, embolden my heart, and release your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.